Welcome to Living Box Free. Our mission is to help you break out of the box of worldly expectations. We're here to help you find your unique journey to a healthy, fulfilled life. Living Box Free. I'm Ashleen. And I'm Becky. And today we are going to talk about five ways, count them, five, one, two, three, four, five, to influence in the workplace. I'm excited to talk about this because I like influencing people. Yes. Do you remember, what was that old book, How to Win Friends and Influence People? Oh yeah, by Dale Carnegie. There you go. Yes. Hey. It is still applicable today. Influencing since 1923 or whatever that was. Since the Great Depression. (laughs) It still works. It still works. (laughs) Still influencing. That's not what we're talking about. But we are talking about influencing people in the workplace and having, yeah, having power, how to use your responsibility, how to use your role in leadership. And I'm excited about it. But first, Becky, what's on the rise for you this week? (laughs) What's on the rise for me? Hybrid meetings. It is happening. And when I say hybrid, I mean the office is reopened. Okay. I was totally picturing you meeting in a Prius. I do have a hybrid RAV4, <laughs> so we could. I mean, I do. I can do conference calls from my hybrid. That's a thing. When I say hybrid meetings, I mean everything was virtual for us for a very long time. And after the 4th of July, they've started to gradually reopen the workplace. And I had my first hybrid meeting this last week. Mm. And it's 10 minutes, uh-huh. at least minimum 10 minutes spent trying to get the audio and video in the room working. There were three people in the room and 20 on the phone. So 10 minutes eaten up for three people in the room. Don't get me wrong. I think human interaction is great. Hybrid meetings, it's just difficult. So that is what's on the rise for me is learning this new working atmosphere with people in the office, people at home. So it's, yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. It's kind of entertaining too. On our team, we usually say... Either everybody's online or everybody's in person. Those uh, are the that would options. be my preference. I feel like hybrid, it just doesn't work. The person who's online or the people who are online, it's just awkward. It's I can't awkward. count the number of times people said, hey, will you speak? Hello. Testing. <laughs> testing. Hello. I can't hear you. Huh? <laughs> what? Yeah. Oy. Ten minutes of that. <laughs> What's on the rise for you? Well, kind of along those lines, technology problems. I feel like I'm just struggling with the technology. I'm I'm a what do they call it? Technolo- technological native. I feel like I shouldn't struggle with technology. Mm. I've grown up with it. We got our first computer when I was I think 6. I mean, I just I know what I'm doing, y'all. <laughs> and yet, this week for whatever reason, everything I touch seems to break. And it's like, don't touch my MacBook. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Don't touch my MacBook. Exactly. My personal computer is doing fine. It's pretty much at work. And then also my phone is struggling too. But I think my phone, Mm -hmm. I just, I've just used it a lot. And I think I probably need a new one. So yeah. Yeah. It's just the technological struggle is real. Technology is so great when it works. Yes. So great when it works. A lot of technology. Yes. Yeah. Meetings. Ash breaking all of her yep. work stuff, technology <sighs> stuff. The computer I have for work is real old and it just, yeah. it's a struggle. It's yeah. a struggle. Well, I'm, I'm glad our podcasting equipment is working yes. as of right now. Same. Hopefully it if, stays if that if way. If this ends suddenly. <laughs> You'll know why. Because Ash touched something. I touched something. <laughs> <laughs> well, like Ash mentioned, we're going to be talking once again about influence 
A few episodes back, we talked specifically about how do you influence without a position of power. And like many of our episodes, as we dug into that, we said, man, this could be multiple, multiple topics. And that episode, we focused on leadership in general. How do you lead by example? How do you influence others when you don't have a title? Today, we're actually going to jump into strategies to get your project, your proposal, your pitch, uh, to get it top of mind and prioritized in the workplace. And to do that, we have five different strategies we're going to talk through. And we've we've gotten some resources we used here, some different studies. Uh, we can link link those in our in our notes if you want to go read any further. Let's talk about our first one. First way to influence in the workplace. It's going to sound simple, but it's very important. Build trust with your coworkers. Hmm. Build trust. Trust, sadly, is not just given by most people. It's not. And it is interesting because I can tell there's microcultures, at least where I work, and there's certain parts of the organization where if you have not been there for a long time, if you're a newbie, you got to earn the trust. And there's a couple different ways to earn trust. So, okay, we say build trust with your coworkers. How? All right, let's talk about how. One, being honest and vulnerable. That is a huge, for anyone, any relationship, that's a huge piece of building trust, especially being vulnerable. And being vulnerable in the workplace could be, hey, I don't know what acronym you're talking about, or Mm -hmm. I've never done this before. Can you help me out? It's, it's admitting those things. I feel overwhelmed. I'm not yeah. sure I'm going to be able to get all this done on time. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's one. Another way to build trust is when you commit to something, you deliver and yep. you're consistent. That's, that's a huge way to build trust with your coworkers. Another cool piece here that we might not always think about, we're taking it even deeper, how do I build trust, is putting that other person's needs first at times. When And this whole, as we talk about, these ways to influence, it's easy to go into meetings thinking I have this proposal and here's my objective for this group of people. You can build a lot of trust if you hold off on yours first and you say, hey, okay, Ash, what what is your project? What are your goals? And by putting their needs first, oftentimes you can listen and you can even link up to how yours might be able to help them. Mm -hmm. So that's another key area there. Last one I'm going to mention is being assertive, not aggressive. Mm. And this goes back to emotional intelligence, self-awareness. I struggle with this one. You do? Yes. Yeah. I do. That's all I really want to say about that. <laughs> Thanks for being vulnerable and sharing. Uh-huh. Yes. This one, it, it, it's it, the cool thing is, Ash, you're already self-aware. Mm. And that's something that you recognize. And it goes back to controlling our emotions. So a lot of emotional intelligence here, you're aware of how you come off, how do you control yourself and the way you communicate so you can be assertive. We don't want you to be passive. We want you to be assertive, but not come off as aggressive. And and that's going to help maintain a good relationship with those coworkers. And I think really the only reason I know that is from feedback. So mm-hmm. go back to our our previous episodes on receiving, giving and receiving feedback. And that's, that's how I know that is people yeah. saying, oh, I, the, <laughs> I used to think that you were kind of aggressive and kind of pushy. And I was like, what? Huh? Yeah. Okay. I don't feel like I am. I feel like I'm just saying what I think. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of people in that boat. Yeah. It comes down to making sure that you're asking people and finding out how you're coming across. Cause you don't always know if you're, if you 
people feel like you're aggressive. Yep. And the key thing, when you get that feedback, and we, we have the co- being coachable mm-hmm. episode, when you get that feedback, it's important to go back to those people and say, how did I come off this time? So it's important to follow up and see if you've improved. Because if you were unaware of it the first time, you're probably going to be, you're going to try, but you yeah. might also be unaware of how did I come off the second time when I point. tried to do it differently. Yep. Okay, so that's our first strategy. Build trust with your coworkers. The second one here, and this is one that takes some energy, but it's very important. It's creating advocates. I'll never forget my first job in marketing. There was a district manager who loved to say no. (laughs) And I know we just talked about boundaries, Uh but he loved to say no. He had, you know, this is how we've always done it. He'd been there for 20 years and I had these, I was new. I had these crazy creative ideas and someone told me, they go, Becky, if you want that to get approved by the management team, you got to get Eric on board. Yeah. You need to go talk to Eric. And I was so afraid. I'm like, I don't want to talk to him. (laughs) Oh, he's going to ask me all these hard questions. And so, but that was the best process by going to the number one objector. Uh Uh-huh. And letting him object, listen to those objections, capturing them down and saying, okay, let me follow up with you, gathering what data I needed to or whatever information he needed by getting him, even if he wasn't an advocate, but he went from, uh, he went from totally against it to neutral that that's improvement. And it probably made your idea better. It did. Because you had to process through those things that he was objecting to. Yeah. So, I mean, it is hard, but I would say start with your biggest objector. Mm -hmm. And if you can even, maybe you don't get them all the way over to your spokesperson and number one advocate, but if you can move them to neutral and go through that process as painful as it is of poking holes in your project, your proposal, and you having to address those, you're going to be even more set up for success to pitch that idea and get that project proposal prioritized. And that takes a lot of humility. To yes. do that a lot. Yes. You're going to feel like somebody's kicking you while you're down. Yep. Another piece under here I just want to reference when it comes to creating advocates is networking. There are certain, and it depends where you work, mm-hmm. but there might be people outside of your team, outside of your, your normal community in the workplace that you need to be advocates. It could be someone higher up in the food chain. It could be someone in a totally different function or area. And this creating advocates goes beyond just the number one objector, but it goes to building that network. Anyone who might need to play a role in that project or proposal, making sure you're communicating with them. And oftentimes, if you want to do this right, it's often not just inviting everyone to one big meeting, sadly, Mm because that sounds more efficient. As an Enneagram 3, I love efficiency. (laughs) But it's like, no, I probably need to meet with them one-on-one and make sure they understand this proposal, how would it impact their group or their team. And answer their questions and build those advocates, then do the big meeting and we're more more prone to be successful with the the project we're trying to pitch. Yeah. And a lot of times people have different circles of influence. And so if you can go to five different people and talk to them about what that their circle of influence needs, it's gonna be different from all the others. Yep. I will I'll give one example here. When I graduated college. I thought, man, I, I want to do marketing. I love creativity. I love, you know, graphic design and art and all this stuff. And I got a job with an animal pharmaceutical company. Huh. 
and Interesting. to do marketing. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to do so many cool things. And then I'll never forget my first marketing campaign. All of a sudden they're like, oh, you have to get all this approved because it's pharmaceuticals, it's antibiotics, right. it's vaccines. You have to get this approved through regulatory and legal. I'm like, okay, cool. Who are those people? <laughs> and I send them my stuff and it is like scratched up, marked up. No, no, no. And I'm like, <laughs> what? This is horrible. And I learned very early on, uh, number one, marketing for a pharmaceutical company, very different than your average marketing. I'm sure. However, I learned very early on, I needed to create a strong relationship with regulatory and legal. Mm -hmm. And I really needed to understand how far can I stretch what I can say? What can I absolutely not say and why? Yes. Uh, and that was a huge learning curve for me. And I, I'll never forget my marketing team. Us, We'd have a monthly meeting with regulatory and we would take donuts, whatever it took to yep. sweeten, the, sweeten the mood. <laughs> and eventually, like, yes, the donuts helped. But us just having a face-to-face -to -face touch point, talking with them regularly, it helped us to advance our goals and keep them happy yeah. and keep you know the organization happy with how we were promoting our products. Yeah. I, uh, I try to bribe our, uh, not bribe, bribe. Really. <laughs> I guess that's what it donuts bribing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our accounting office regularly, oh, just yeah. as like, just because I feel like I go to them and it's mostly because I'm a new employee and I don't really know what's going on. So I frequently go in there with forms and I'm like, I don't know which one to do. Can you help? Yeah. So I try to regularly go in there even when I don't need something and yeah. just be like, here's some chocolate. Yes. Here's an apple. Can I interest you in a snack? <laughs> Here's an apple. That's <laughs> nice of you. They'd be like, what? Where's the chocolate? <laughs> Where are the donuts? All right. So there's another tactic under creating advocates. Yes. Take them donuts, apples, and chocolate. Yes. <laughs> Bribes without asking for anything. Yes. I do think there's a special element of relationship building when you're like, you know that they're going above and beyond to help you and you're yeah. just showing, showing appreciation. Yes, absolutely. And commonly we use food. Yes. <laughs> and make sure that. you're doing that not just when they're helping you. Yes, yes, surprise them. Yes. Okay, so we've got build trust with your coworkers. That's number one. Number two, creating advocates, going to those objectors, connecting with people outside of your common team who might need to influence that project or be a part of it. Number three, connect to your audience. We're in this scenario of influence. We're talking about trying to influence others to be on board with your project, your proposal that you're pitching, your idea. In order to get them on board, we really need to think about how do we package what we're communicating in a way that connects to our audience. And I'm going to share some examples of how you package that content. But most of us tend to package things. When I say package, it's how you're delivering it. Mm -hmm. We commonly tend to do that with what we like to receive. Right. I am a visual person. I love stories and testimonials. If I hear a good old testimonial and there's a picture of someone, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. Let's go. I'm in. Yes. Sarah and her dog. I'm all about that. Uh, so, so that's me. However, if your audience is scientist, if your audience is scientist, they want data, they want research, they want meta-analysis, whatever that is. So connecting to your audience is truly not thinking about what you want, but thinking about what do they need? How should I package this for the way that they make decisions and the way that they identify value? Yeah. And I've already given a couple examples. Here's some examples for packaging. You've got uh, stories and a lot of, I think of leaders and you see keynote speakers, they share stories a lot. And it's because stories have suspense, they have conflict 
It, it gets you involved if someone tells it well. So stories is one. Analogies. I do think analogies are great if you are a scientific person trying to describe something to a non-technical uh, group. Analogies are great to take complex things and make them simplified yeah. for others to understand. Examples. Examples are different than stories. Stories actually have a conflict, a resolution. You're in the moment. An example can be really short. An example of tenacity could be Abraham Lincoln tried to run for office 16 times before he was elected. That's an example. Mm -hmm. other, other ways of packaging, we already mentioned data and research. Humor. Hmm. Yes. If you, I think about some of our, uh, some of our sales reps, they are, they're just like extroverts. A lot of them, not all of them. Yeah. They love, they love to have fun. Humor is a great, if you can add humor into a presentation, you're going to like bring barriers down. People are going to have fun. They're going to be more present. Couple other things here. Pictures, pictures can be very powerful and testimonials. I already mentioned I've done marketing in the past. Customer testimonials, the customer voice is really powerful for me mm -hmm. when it comes to trying to pitch an idea. Yeah. I think some of us are more used to adapting between types of teams than others. I think a lot of people just work in one section and they don't necessarily, they're not responsible for connecting to other types of teams. I know because I'm in communications, I work with every team in our organization mm -hmm. and every meeting I have to adapt the way I'm communicating. Yeah. Whether I'm telling stories or if I'm meeting with the production team, I have to have that data. I have to have the technology terms ready because if I'm not mm -hmm. ready, they will just shoot me down right yes. away. And it's not because they don't like me or they have any problem with me. It's like, if you don't know what you're talking about, I'm not listening to you. Exactly. And so I have to be ready to adapt to every situation and not everyone has to do that regularly. So it can be something you need to practice and really think about ahead of time. Yeah. And this is also a great place to get feedback from someone else. And maybe you, maybe you have some advocates in that area and you say, Hey, I'm going to have this presentation. This is what I'm, how I'm thinking about delivering this information. What do you think? Mm -hmm. And it might be a total mismatch <laughs> to that audience, or it could match up exactly the way that they see value and they like to understand a proposal or a pitch. All right. So we just talked about connecting to your audience. We shared some examples there of how you can package that proposal when you're giving it, trying to influence. We've got two more here. Number four, align to organizational goals. Most organizations, most of them should have, here's our annual, here's our annual goals. And that could be sales goals. It could be membership goals. It could be growth goals. Uh, a lot of companies also have five-year strategic goals set. If you've got a proposal or a pitch for something in your space, and I know Ash says she's in communications, it is so powerful to connect that to how is that going to help the overarching organizational goals be achieved? And, and I'll give one example here. This is from 2013 when I first joined Elenco. And as a company, Elenco's always been a purpose-driven company focused on helping feed the world and creating healthy protein for human consumption. And they started a campaign called, it was hashtag feed the nine, feed the 9 billion people, which is now like 9.9 .9 billion is what they're predicting yeah. by 2025, I think, uh, or no, 2050 by 2050. And so anyway, they had this campaign and I had this idea of working with our customers to do food drives and doing a competition, whichever customer raised the most food and used the hashtag would get a international mission trip. 
and I had this idea. It connected to, we had an organizational goal of so many impressions on social media in a year. And so, and this is me, I was working with poultry customers, chicken farmers, and I created this idea. I pitched it and I had objections, but then eventually the organization was like, yes. And global communications was like, yeah, this is a great idea to help us increase our social media presence around this platform and help us meet our, our goal around impressions. And so we did it. And then we had a winning chicken farmer who we took to Honduras to do some mission work down there with smaller farmers. Yeah. So it was, it was super cool. And it was, I, I mean, I, it would not have happened if it didn't connect to the higher organizational goals. Yeah. So that's one example. I are one of our organizational goals right now is celebrating wins. So mm-hmm. making sure that we are working in ways to celebrate how we're winning so that we don't just feel like we're working on one project after another, after another that just flows for yeah. on for all eternity. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have been trying really hard to everything that I pitch, everything that I put together saying, this is how this is going to contribute to celebrating wins. Mm-hmm. This is how this group of volunteers that I'm trying to put together is going to help us feel like we are celebrating the wins of our teams, of our church, all of that. So yeah, the more you are able to tie in to those big picture goals, especially the higher ups are going to be more on board. Yep. And that speaking of network, that's a great way for you to network with people outside of your team and the higher parts of the organization. Yeah. The last one, number five, it's going to sound similar, but it is different. It's connecting to your organizational culture and some organizations don't have their culture, their aspirational culture written down, but there's an unspoken culture Mm -hmm. that you probably can feel. And other companies, I know our company, we have written down, this is the culture we want to have. Here's the the four behaviors we want all employees to use and, and act with. And if you can connect to your organizational culture, that's huge. Uh, I'll use an example here. Our, and it's a gym owner example. When we first opened up our CrossFit gym, my husband used to do nutrition consulting and he just got burnt out. And we opened our gym in December and that January I had the idea. I was like, Hey, we should do a new year's challenge. And when I first told our core team, which my husband's on, he was like, Oh no, (laughs) I don't want to talk about nutrition. I'm burnt out on this. And the discussion and, and what I saw the opportunity for was let's not make, we've all been a part of challenges where they just take your money and they say, eat this many calories, track it. Here's our winner. And, and my thought was, no, like let's make this challenge unique. Let's make this challenge connect at our gym. We have three pillars that we really want to live by empowering others, putting in the effort and evolving, whether that's physically, mentally, emotionally, but improving mm-hmm. basically. And so my husband was very much not on board with doing a challenge at first because it just sounded like a lot more work for him. And then as we discussed this idea and concept of what if this challenge was really built around creating the culture and, and feeding and cultivating the culture we want where people are empowering one another and they're working hard, they're putting in effort and, and they might not lose the most body fat percent, but they're practicing and showing that they're working hard. And then evolving can be more than just the physical. It can be also emotionally mental health. And, and when we structured it that way, all of a sudden this challenge was like, okay, we have to do this. This is going to be the most pivotal part of how we as a company 
really infuse, especially at the beginning of the year, and and celebrate the culture that we want mm-hmm. around those three pillars. And I know Ash has been a part of of this challenge. You were our effort winner. I was this yeah. last year. In fact, yes, yes. And so, it that's just an example of an idea or concept that some people initially can be not on board, but then when you connect it to the culture and the organizational cultural goals, and you can understand, okay, this is more than just in this scenario, counting calories right. this or macros. This is more than that. This is actually celebrating and creating the behaviors we want in our gym community. Yeah. I think about a lot of things like um, if you want to learn something at work and you want to you know, grow a new skill, but you have to actually take the time out to do that. And a lot of companies will say, or organizations will say, you know, we value employee growth, but then they don't actually do it. So, but Mm -hmm. trying to remember to bring that back to that value of saying, Hey, you say that this is, we're a culture of, you know, growing and we want to put in the investment into our employees. So if that's true, then we need to, you need to give me two hours a week. Mm-hmm. to learn this new skill or this new thing or whatever. So sometimes you can even make your argument by bringing it back to that. Yeah. Something else you just made me think of when, like I mentioned, our company, Alenco, not the gym is very purpose driven and volunteering is something that's important to, to us. And so as a company, that's a part of our culture we want to maintain and encourage. So we actually give every employee half a day, a quarter to volunteer. Yeah. And, and just little things like that make a big difference. They go a long way. Yeah. Well, as I've been listening to this, I, I, I feel like a lot of it is tailoring your thoughts and your process and the way that you're communicating to the specific people and the specific culture and values of your organization in order to have influence. Basically, it's not a one size fits all situation. It's just not. So when you have an idea, when you have something that you want to present, when you want to work on something, You have to be able to communicate it in different ways to different people that align with where your company and where your leaders want to go, which is not always easy, but it is doable if you take some time and sit down and think about it ahead of time. Yep. That's the key. Take the time. Take the time to think it through. It's not about what you would want. It's about what your audience would want. Awesome. Yes. And building trust. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us today. We enjoyed talking about waste influence in the workplace. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.